Hey, it's Eric Hulkerin, and on this episode of Behind the Headlines, college football is back. Aaron McMahon and Matt Wenzel join us to talk about U of M and MSU. My friends, we are in it. College football is back. As I said, our guest, Aaron McMahon, who covers U of M, and Matt Wenzel, who covers MSU. And as always, my co-host with the most disses? Let's go with that one today. Vice President of Content, John Heiner. John? Thank you, Eric Hulkren, very much for that kind introduction. And good morning, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines at MLive. Uh, yesterday, we we you know, took a break from the real story of, of the season to... Uh, see all the kids going to school on Facebook. So we took a little break from football, which is back. Uh, we had high school football start last week, and we're seeing the MLive audience respond to that. And uh, the Lions are on hard knocks. So we've been getting a lot of headlines and, and interest in, in the Lions. But everybody knows the real story uh, in America's college football. And college football has been really crazy the last couple of years. And uh, Michigan and Michigan State are kicking off their seasons this weekend. And uh, I think nobody better here to talk about it today than our lead uh, Wolverines writer, Aaron McMahon. Good morning. Welcome to Behind the Headlines. Good morning, John. Matt, good to be with you guys. And then from uh, the Michigan State uh, Spartan land, we have uh, Matt Wenzel, who covers uh, the Spartans for MLive. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, guys. Uh, Matt, uh, especially Matt, but both you guys may know where I'm coming from when I say, uh, are, I know you're ready but are you prepared? That's one of Mel's favorite lines is the difference between being ready and being prepared. So uh, yeah, I'm both. How about that? <laughs> I don't know if we're ever truly prepared. I don't think because we, we never really know what's going to happen. And I think that's what makes, you know, college football season so fascinating. Yeah, uh, Matt and Mel Tucker, certainly things have got a lot more interesting around uh, here the last couple years with Mel Tucker coming back to Michigan State being hired head coach and and also getting a $95 million contract, which, you know, five, 10 years ago just seemed outlandish. But now uh, it's just caused all these other dominoes to fall around the country. Money's flying everywhere, including to players. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, you guys have been, you and, and your colleagues on your beats have been doing a great job getting our readers prepared for the season. Why does it feel like it, you know, it's less about X's and O's and football on the field than, than what, Everything else is going on with college football right now. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar business. I mean, it's there's a lot of things away from the actual, like you said, X's and O's that, that keep people interested. I mean, the coaching changes, the salaries, uh, the massive TV deal that the Big Ten just put together. So uh, obviously conference expansion. So a uh, little bit of a mini soap opera to go with it. But, uh, you know, we obviously cover all angles. I, I, I'm. It's it's very intriguing. Let's put it that way. Every year it seems like there's something new. Yeah, it almost seems like college sports and college football, especially, has become this transactional thing where guys are leaving schools to go to another schools. They're signing these nil deals where they're actually able to profit off their name, image, likeness. So it's, it's just so much going on. There's so much new, and I think the fans and and just the the, the donors, everyone else, are trying to they're taking all this in, and I think it's added a little bit of different dimension to everything. Would you both say that this is a lot different than what you were you're doing five years ago? Because you were guys been here for for a decade or, or more. And so how how is it different for you and your jobs um, to cover these teams? And it seems like 
uh, what used to be two or three dimensions of covering a college football team, including in the major one being performance on the field, has really become more about, like you said, Matt, covering a business. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's much different than it was five years ago, and it'll be, I'm sure it'll be much different five years from now than, than it is right now. It's just so much seems to have come together at once, you know, with the transfer portal, with NIL, with his coaching salary, you know, everything just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's sometimes it feels like it's hard to keep track of because everything's moving so fast and, and you're trying to, you know, put all these pieces together, but uh, it's just, I, I think the NCAA was, was, is obviously change was not something they were fond of. They moved at a glacial pace. And when your hand kind of gets forced in these matters, you know, you know, the portal was a thing that was developing, but with, with NIL, that was basically forced upon them when the state started taking action. Um, The Supreme court made their, their decision, which obviously didn't bode well for the NCA. So now they kind of have just thrown up their hands with NIL and, and we're just like, okay, this is what we have to do. And go from there. And it's just, it's been, I think the last, what, two years, three years have been, have been, everything is really ramped up as far as changes. And look, like Aaron can tell, attest to the portal. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, the, the movements are fast and, and many. So, especially at Michigan State. Yeah. We, I mean, we cover these two big brands. They're almost, you can call them a corporate brand. I mean, that was the case five years ago or whatever number you want to put on it, but just the added money that's coming into both of these athletic departments and these schools have just changed the way I think everything, everything happens. Um, You just saw the big 10 just inked a huge, uh, you know, a billion dollar TV deal. So these athletic departments stand to make even more money going forward. And it just, you know, it creates more issues and more things to talk, talk about more topics and, and that the money situation, I don't think is going away anytime soon. And it's going to get more complicated, I think, from here on out. Yeah, the money was always there. I mean, these uh, there were always behemoths, these athletic departments, especially football programs. Uh, but it was it was pretty identifiable. It was, it was TV money coming in and occasionally an envelope with cash that somebody in violation of rules gave somebody. But now you've got like Tucker's. Part of Tucker's salary is being paid by alumni and, you know, Texas A&M and some of these other programs. It's like an arms race to find alumni money or other money um, and, and to pay not only coaches, but players and others. And it almost has rendered, I want to say the football landscape's unrecognizable because on Saturday morning, you know, I think we'll all strap on a gear and turn on the TVs and it's football. But it really makes it feel a little bit like chaos. Yeah, I, I remember, I think it was Mark's, Mark Antonio's last season, or, or right near the end, when they were, you know, they were pretty kind of stale, um, but he kept talking about how they went down and toured Clemson. Now Clemson had redone their facility and then surge of cash because of success, and they redid it again. And I kept thinking, you know, where do you really think you're going to get that money from, Mark? And next thing you know, Matt Ishbia, you know, this, what, two years ago, gives the, the university $32 million with... 20 million earmarked specifically toward football's facility renovation. They went out and raised other cash and they are uh, in the middle of a $78 million renovation facility. So um, people, if people believe in you and, and they're going to give you the money, then then you can make these these changes. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's an arms race. But I think there's also, there's the facilities, which obviously it's the cool, shiny little thing everybody wants to have, you know, to entice recruits. But, you know, like we talked about, NIL is now a big part of the equation as well. And and then they're always the, the development. These guys, they come to play out of your program because they want to go to the NFL. And if you can show us a track record of success doing so. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just the, the money is obviously a big part of it. And I think there's multiple things going, uh, you know, factor in when these, these kids are making decisions. 
Yeah, facilities used to be number one. I mean, when a kid was being recruited to a school, that's obviously the brand was a big deal. The coach was a big deal, but facilities were, were always huge and they still are to some degree now. But now you've got this added element, like like Matt said, of NIL and the co- the recruits are now asking the coaches in the in the school, what can you do for me to make me more money and put more more zeros in my bank account? And it's become mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, a, a leader in terms of recruiting now. Yeah. And then you go back to the Sterling brands who've always you know, been the big brands, the Notre Dame, Michigan, USC, Alabama, et cetera. And you're not going to be a marquee brand, I guess, if you don't get the money behind it. Um, And I'm going to stop for a little glossary moment here because this is not Spartans Confidential or Wolverine Confidential. Uh, uh, Behind the headlines, listeners may not know what NIL is. It's name, image, likeness, and it's uh, a fairly new rule in the NCAA that allows athletes of any sport, frankly, not just football, uh, to financially benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And so you got uh, kids who are out there as sponsors now for businesses, uh, making appearances, getting paid to cr- record videos and send them to people. But there's a, the old-fashioned way, too, which is just cash <laughs> from from alumni or whatever. And those big schools that maybe don't have super success on the field but have great alumni bases, all of a sudden it's it's a different ball game. And one thing I wanted to ask is, how it has changed there's always the coaching hot seat but it was always like you know you're three years in you're brady hoke or whatever here's your record you haven't beat your rival you know it seems now that the clock on a coach with all of this money because money changes everything it corrupts every i don't say corruption but it does change everything and you know you look at scott frost in nebraska he makes his what everybody has fair you know i think it's fair to say an idiotic call one one play in a game and already they're like should we just replace them this week i mean is is that what is happening now is this going to change you know on one hand you see the coaches who are oh tucker got this contract so kurt you know he's now third in the country well you know somebody like ryan day can't be below him and but on the flip side of that is if you don't perform it seems like your lifespan on a coach is going to be a lot shorter yeah, uh, you know, Mel said it when he was introduced as the head coach. He said the the days of coming in, getting you know five six years or whatever, and you know to to build this up, those are those are gone. You know, that's that's not what it is anymore. And he's right. I mean, people expect success, especially you know the the bigger name program. The more money, um, the more is expected. So yeah, I mean that is fair. And and if you if you're making uh, almost ten million dollars a year as a coach, I think fans should expect success. So. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. It's it's a big money business and uh, results are, are what matters. Yeah, and the reality of the situation is, you know, if a donor's kicking in a, a good chunk of a salary or whatever the case may be, they want influence in that decision. So when things go south, they're going to put pressure on whatever the athletic director, whoever's making that decision, the university president on some of these coaches. So, yeah, it shortens the lifespan or the, the timeline of some of these coaches. When you're getting paid a lot of money. You're expected to, to return on results. And that, you know, that's a win losses on the field. And if you don't do it in, in short order, uh, you know, you, you could be kicked out really quickly. What's interesting is to me as a fan of the sport in, in college athletics and this idea of amateur athletics is now gone. It doesn't exist. Um, but say you're Rutgers. You guys did a piece earlier this year. One of you, I can't remember, but it, it had the salaries of all the Big Ten coaches and you know, the guys at Rutgers or Maryland are making merely like two and a half million or three million or whatever. But if you have a school with an alumni base now that 
has suffered in the bottom ranks of, of college football, in pretty short order, they can change the environment or the, the competitive environment at a university, right? I mean, it's kind of like the Dodgers in baseball. They just going to say, I'll pay the luxury tax and the Yankees and we'll just keep buying talent. Is Do you think that that is going to threaten the, the existing order of college football, the Alabama's, LSU's, Clemson's, Ohio State's, is this really going to tip that in the next few years, or are they just going to go out and just raise more money? I I, I don't know. I'm going to be really interested to see where this is at in a few years, because NIL became, you know, just last July 1st or whatever it was when it became um, legal, basically. Um, everybody's throwing cash at it. Now, say you're a business that's paying X, you know, you're playing, paying these players, whatever, or you got this collective and you're a donor and you're dumping in all these millions. Are you getting, what is your return? Do you even care? You just, you got so much money you don't know what to do with, and you're just going to keep pumping it in because that's your, your, your university. I, I don't know. I'll be really interested to see if there's a reset in the market. If some of these, these wealthy individuals and companies just say that hey, this isn't worth it for us or, or, or that, but, um, yeah, I don't, like like take Michigan State for example. Matt Ishbia, who we already talked about, who's the you know he runs a United Wholesale Wholesale Mortgage. He came up with the deal for the every member of the football uh, and men's basketball team gets five hundred bucks a month just to tweet about United Wholesale Mortgage. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not like one of those deals where you hear about rumors of somebody getting seven million dollars or anything like this. This is six grand a year, but it's still it's significant, and that's I think it's helpful in, in recruiting, but. Um, you know, is he going to do this forever? Maybe. I mean, he's got, it seems like he's got the money to do it, but just, just one example of somebody who, who can, you know, unilaterally make a difference at a university across the board. I mean, even the walk-ons get the same thing as, as your starting quarterback. Yeah, Jesus, it's, significant. August, it's August 30th, Matt, and I have not t- tweeted yet about United Mortgage. <laughs> oh, we made my- We've made that joke plenty of times. See if we could get it on the money if we just joined in. See, they would just not even pay attention, but I uh, haven't tried it yet. Sorry, Aaron, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was just saying it is significant because, like Matt pointed out, a lot, a lot, the grand, most college athletes aren't benefiting from NIL. It's a lot of higher, the higher profile players. So for an offensive lineman or a kicker or a walk on or whatever the case may be to get $500 a month on top of their stipend, their scholarship, and everything else. That's a big deal and could attract help attract some players to certain schools. Uh, but yeah, I think the to, to answer your original question, I, I do think there's eventual change coming in the alignment of college athletics, especially football. I mean, you're seeing the SEC and the, the Big Ten grow. They're going to continue to grow. And it's gonna, I think it's going to get it to a point where they're both conferences are basically going to say, hey, we've got enough teams we're, we're we have the attractive games on television. We have the best programs. Why do we need to play any of these other conferences like the AAC or the Mountain West or even the Pac-12 and the ACC? So I think you're seeing a split is going to come eventually. Um, I, I, and you're seeing the NCAA's power waning. So I, 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 it's going to be fast. Like the next 10 years, it would not shock me at all if we see some type of some type of huge split. Because the reality of the situation is, you know, I mean, American Conference school like in Eastern Michigan or a Central Michigan just can't keep up financially with a Michigan State or a Michigan. Um, NIL could help level that some, um, but you know, t- typically with these bigger schools, they tend to attract the higher price donors and the folks making the more money. So it's the next ten years, I think, are going to be huge transformational for college football, especially. Aaron, it could be the next two to five years, the, the way it's going. And what's interesting, uh, a, it's money. Um, USC and UCLA don't, they're kind of west of the Mississippi a little bit. Um, but 
if you think about the base, I mentioned baseball earlier, American League, National League, you know, and, and you got a bunch of minor leagues out there and they're great feeder systems and all this, but you have two power leagues. They meet in the World Series at the end of the year. You're, you're going to have Big Ten possibly someday down the line with Notre Dame in it or something like that in the SEC. And they play within their conference because, you know, that's where the big boys are. And then, you know, and this is let's not make any illusions. It's it's 100 percent about the money. Um and where the money is and then the money's flowing and it's going downhill to the players now too um so is this yeah I, I know the horse is out of the barn but you guys have any concerns about what this means for college football or athletics in general for college age players i mean i've always thought you know like a lot of other people that the players deserve more than what they were getting and i still believe that that's why you know i mean everybody always tell oh, we don't have enough money we don't have enough money to share and you look at the the amount of money these com- these schools are making what the coaches are making and absolutely i'm not like to aaron's point the wealthy schools have have the money you know the eastern michigan can't afford to you know give its players in, in a scenario like that uh you know the same as michigan or michigan state um but I would I'll be really interested to see if if the revenue sharing is something that actually happens with the Big Ten. Um, Commissioner Kevin Warren has been asked about that and kind of gave a non-answer. He was open to it, yada yada. Well, you know, believe it when I see it. But you know, if if you're pulling in a billion dollars a year on a TV deal, I, you know, I think it's fair to say that they, if he, imagine if the Big Ten was to set up something where it paid its, you know, the, they shared revenue. How now? How big of a recruiting advantage is that for the conference? And now how much? Do things tilt even more towards the, you know, the haves versus the have-nots, and into the scenario that Aaron was mentioning, like basically they, basically I think at some point in time the there's going to be a sect, a group of schools that just say we don't need the NCAA anymore. The college football playoff will set up rules and they'll they'll govern football and, and everybody else can, you know, go make do with what they have. Yeah, with money, I mean, always comes good things and and problems. You know, there's always this concern that, you know, more money for college kids could, you know, impact a locker room, can make these kids more individual in their decisions. I mean, college football is always labeled and branded as this team thing, this team sport. You know, Bo Schembechler in Michigan, this phrase was the team, the team, the team. And I think there's this concern from at least the older audience that it, it's, you know, in a way kind of disrupting the, 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 you know, the enoms of college football. Um, but at, at the same time, I, I'm cautious about that because I, I think at the end of the day, most fans and alums and donors really only care if their team wins. It doesn't they don't really matter who's playing as long as they win. Uh, and I think that's why folks love college football. They love the pomp and circumstance. They love rooting for their their, you know, their alma mater. They love rooting for their hometown school, whatever the case may be, no matter who's putting on the uniform. And I think that's the difference really between college athletics and the professional leagues. I mean, the professional leagues are very individual based. They're stars. Mm-hmm. They, they buy juries, everything else. And I just don't see that at least right now with college athletics. And I think that's why I don't see, at least from a fan perspective, I don't see them changing much. I agree from the, the fan perspective. And then there's always been big dogs in college football too. And Aiden Hutchinson's a different dude in the locker room than you know, the backup fullback, you know, uh, that's always been the same. I remember in the early eighties going to a Michigan game and it was after the game, we were walking out and the, the entrance, the parking lot's just North of the stadium. They had to stop traffic to let out this brand new Trans Am with T-tops and, and it was all decked out. And back then, man, that was a car, you know, and it was Steve Smith. It was, I think it was Steve Smith, the quarterback. And I was like, I, I'm guessing his dad didn't buy that for him. But anyways, uh, NIL didn't exist bit of time left and i want to talk about uh, some things about this season first of all uh 
you know, just from a football perspective, and you guys have done some really good reporting on this, um, the, you know, the money chase, how, how Mel Tucker changed things, that Harbaugh's kind of now, uh, you know, not in the lead of the pack there. And how, how has Mel Tucker, though, changed things competitively uh, in Michigan and in the Big Ten? Well, I mean, I think starting within Michigan, um, you know, he came in and he won his first two games against against Michigan, against Michigan, University of Michigan. Can't even spit that out. Um, nobody in, in program history had ever done that. And, you know, his first win as a Michigan State coach came in Ann Arbor and, you know, that weird day where there's no fans and Michigan State was coming off a, blow, uh, a loss to Rutgers and they shock him. And then last year, obviously, different circumstances. Both teams were were, were, you know, top 10 in the nation undefeated and he was able to, you know, you know, get his team to rally for the win. So, you know, I think it starts there. He, you know, like Mark D'Antonio did, he put, he places a high emphasis on the, on the rivalry. And, you know, if you can be at that level where you're beating Michigan on a consistent basis, um, it means you're one of the better teams in the big 10. And so, you know, the, the bar for, for them now is Ohio state because Mel showed he can beat Michigan, he can beat Penn state. So the next level is Ohio state. And that is not a game that has been even close to competitive for them the last two years. Um, you know, they went into Ohio state last year, with the chance to, you know, still win the big 10 and get to the playoff and it was 49 to nothing at halftime or whatever. It was. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, D'Antonio accomplished things that nobody thought were even possible for him to do at Michigan State, you know, three Big Ten titles, you know, trip to the playoff, 36 and five over a three-year run. And then it got a little stale towards the end, and now Mel, you know, he quick flipped them from two and five to 11 and two and, and got paid. And and now, you know, he'll just keep saying, you know, I know it's everybody's goal is to, you know, win the Big Ten, win a national title. Um, whether he's able to do that, I, I don't know, but um, he certainly has the program generating a lot more interest and buzz uh, at this point than it was a year ago. Hey, Aaron, I'd managed to get like 20 some minutes into this without even saying the name Harbaugh. And he, here they are sitting in one. I saw one analyst put them at fourth in the country. And I'm like, they're already, geez, they're in the playoff already. Um, a top 10 team kind of been quiet. Harbaugh's been a little, you know, he's made some headlines this week with his biblical reference to King Solomon and his quarterbacks. And that has nothing to do with transfer portal, I'm sure. But, um, How's Michigan's competitive this year? What's the the feeling around um, uh, the fall practices and coming into the season kickoff uh, this this Saturday? Yeah, I mean they're optimistic. I mean obviously the fans and 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 the school I guess is coming off they're coming off the high of last year when finally winning the Big Ten championship, beating Ohio State, uh, getting to the playoff. It was something Jim Harbaugh hadn't been able to do, uh, you know, in his his seven years prior. So it was. A, you know, I, th- I think it was, I think the fan base is finally thinking, okay, it's it's about time. Uh, but there's a lot of question marks coming in this year, too. I, I, a lot of guys to replace on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson, he's gone. David Ajabo is no longer there. Their, their top defensive back, Daxon Hill, is no longer there. So they've got some pieces to fill on the defensive side of the ball. And I think we're all waiting to see what that, what that looks like. Uh, new face at coordinator. Um, a lot of new faces on the staff, new coordinators, a lot of new things going on. Um, they they project to be pretty good. And the thing about Michigan this year is their schedule is uh, one of the easiest in the country. They've got three cakewalks in the non-conference schedule. Uh, they should be four zero, no problem going into uh, going into Iowa on the first weekend of October. So they're really set up nicely for another good year. Now, what that year looks like, I don't know. You know, I'm picking them to go ten and two. I don't think they beat the Buckeyes at the end of the year. I just, Ohio State's offense is just so loaded. Mm-hmm. And the game is in Columbus, a spot Michigan hasn't won in a very long time, I think since 2000. So uh, they, got, they got some stuff stacked up against them. The offense should be explosive. They should be, one. I think, one of the best ones Jamar Arba's had since he's gotten here. He's got an interesting quarterback dilemma right now he's got to <laughs> deal with. 
Um, but they get they're loaded around them. I mean, they got two le- legit NFL tight ends. I just talked to NFL scout earlier this week, and they both like them both. Uh, re- returning guys in the offensive line, running backs they like, five or six receivers they feel like are legitimate. So this offense, I think, will be the the side of the ball to watch. I think they're going to put up a lot of points, and the defense is going to kind of have to hold uh, hold its ground. Well, Aaron, if I may, the phrase going into Iowa in October gives me PTSD as a as a Michigan fan. So I wouldn't count that one in the win column. No, uh, no. And it, it's that's the thing. You're right. Last time they went in there, it was a low scoring, boring game that they lost. And, and Iowa figures to be good defensively again. You know, so we'll see how they stack up. Um, but yeah, you, you never, especially on the road in the Big Ten, you, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, guys, uh, it's. It's really a fascinating time in college football. Uh, and if, you know, r- readers who who follow these teams avidly already know the great coverage you guys have been doing. But I've really been impressed by the stuff that you've been doing on NIL and transfer portal and the money for the coaches. And, and even, you know, reading the profile that you did um, this week, Matt, or last week on, on Tucker, his journey to get there. But you also pick up stuff about the, how sophisticated these staffs are. Um, the people they're hiring, the NFL, uh, really the NFL influence on on, on strategies and, and even down to dietitians and things of that nature. It's like it basically looks like professional sports, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it basically I mean, it's, you know, these guys, you know, Mel and Jim both coached in the NFL, you know, and they, they you know, they have a bunch of resources at their disposal in college. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to I know Mel takes an NFL style approach to everything and, you know, and what they need to in, in certain areas to address. Um, so yeah, it's, what was it? Was it the, uh, was it Florida, the team photo the other day, Aaron, that went viral with all the polo shirts. There was like, you know, the team was outnumbered by the staff wearing the polo <laughs> shirts. It's like, and so pointing out that probably every, almost every one of those people wearing a blue shirt is getting paid. I mean, the staff sizes have, have exploded uh, with, you know, some of these off field, you know, non-coaching roles, not among the, you know, not the 10 on field guys. So, yeah, really interesting. I could use a dietitian. I say that, but that's my problem. Mm-hmm. Guys, uh, you know, this is exciting. Very, very exciting. The kickoff of college football season. You've done a lot of work, uh, just like the players to get ready for it. I wish you a lot of luck this year. Um, it's always more fun to cover teams when they're winning, right? Yep. And well, the, fan, the so. fans have more interest, I think. <laughs> yes, that that's true. I'm not saying you're homers. I'm just saying uh if you're covering a team that's that loses seven or nine games, it's probably uh, things are probably kind of dull on your beat. So uh. the access is usually a little bit better, too, when they're winning. Everybody's in a better mood. So you get to talk to more people and it just works out that way. At least well, that's I, I, I hope it's a lot like last year and they, they, they are undefeated going deep into the season. Uh, but again, thanks for joining us today on Behind the Headlines and good luck this season, guys. Thanks, thanks John. John. And there they go. Big thanks to Aaron and Matt for joining us as we take it all in this college football season. As always, if you like what John and I are doing, like, comment, and share wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Halkren, and this is Behind the Headlines.